You're listening to The Morning Show on WGTD, your gateway to public radio. I'm Gregory Berg. For part two, we're going to be talking about a very intriguing new podcast that is about to be launched called Read More Plays, a podcast designed to help all of us better understand the world of theater and more specifically, to better understand plays, the way plays are put together and the amazing array of plays that are out there in the world, from beloved classics to out-of-the-ordinary oddities to cutting-edge new works that are redefining what theater means. This podcast, Read More Plays, is the brainchild of Jennifer Sassaman, who, of course, has been on The Morning Show any number of times to talk about the various plays that she has directed in recent years. She joins us along with her friend and podcast co-host, Ricardo Frederick Evans, as well as Sam Fitzwater Butchart, with whom she worked when she was teaching at the University of Wisconsin Parkside. The first episode of the podcast, Read More Plays, will be shared with the public this Monday, September 7th. We began our conversation, recorded Thursday afternoon, with a discussion about what COVID-19 has done to the world of performing arts and to the world of theater specifically, and how it has changed so much in the lives of Jennifer and Ricardo and Sam. I feel like I've been on quite a journey, actually. I was a day away from going, actually the day we went into quarantine was supposed to be the first day of tech for a play that I was directing, a comedy called The Complete Works of William Shakespeare Abridged. And the the four, the four of us, my three cast members and I had just sort of been living together practically uh, all day, well, not all day, but like our rehearsals had gotten, we'd all spent so much time developing it. And then it just was gone and it, it was, it was hard. And I feel like almost everyone I know who's in the theater industry, you know, it felt like grief, you know, it wasn't just the show that I was directing that I lost, but then I had a show that I was going to work on in the summer for my theater company in New England. And that was lost. And it just seemed like, when is this ever going to happen again? And so that was really hard. But I also, um, one of the classes that I teach is theater history. And one of the things that I've talked about before is how the theaters would shut down in England during the plague. And so I had this, not, I kept telling myself, okay, it's not happening right now. But, you know, theater went away for a while and it came back. It will come. So I kept trying to give myself this pep talk of it's, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. It's going to come back. But it was it was really hard. Like I would have pictures from rehearsal that would pop up on my screen sometimes just because my screen, my background just is on a rotate and they would pop up and it was just like my heart kept getting broken because mm. I lost that show. Mm. How about you, Ricardo Frederick Evans, uh, based in Washington, D.C., I believe a, a great theater city as it turns out. But what is this time of covid been like for you and some of your closest friends and acquaintances in the theater community? Yeah, it's it's been very, I mean, it's been really sad to sort of see um, theaters that I've worked at in the past have to sort of shut down or, uh, you know, initially people started shifting gears and like, okay, what can we do? You know, how, how can we make a season work? How can we make our programming work? Um, you know, so the great thing about it is, you know, theater has a sort of resiliency. Um, and so you could see people shifting into sort of a virtual environment, but there's only so much theater you can do 
virtually. Um, but it, it's been really, really hard. I know for me personally, I've kind of, I, I was in sort of a, a weird place anyway. So I'm very, actually very grateful that, that Jennifer was like, Hey, I've got this idea. Um, because I was sort of shifting out of theater. I was kind of shifting into, into the real estate world. Um, and kind of thinking I will, maybe I won't be doing theater so much anymore or anything even related to theater. So, um, but that was, of course, right right before everything shut down. So it was kind of like, okay, now I have to personally shift gears and figure out what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden, um, Jennifer's like, hey, how about this? And I'm like, you know what? I welcome it. And I'm, I, I really needed it. And I know for me personally, having um, theater and the arts being uh, something that I have done for the last 20 years, um, it... it was necessary, I think, and necessary and 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 soul fulfilling to have something that I could look forward to, something that I could to could could work on and um, and share with people who are also hungry for theater. Excellent. Finally, Sam Fitzwater Butchart, who is actually the sound engineer uh, for this podcast, which we'll start talking about in just a moment. But Sam. Uh, what about your own uh, theatrical roots, and what has this time of COVID been like for you? It's uh, it's been really difficult. Um, I personally, I graduated from uh, the University of Wisconsin Parkside right before uh, everything kind of happened, so I was in a transitional period uh, in my career, uh, as it were, as well. But you know, going from graduating and having um, jobs lined up and having, you know, engineering uh, that I was going to be doing to have everything fall out from under me uh, was really difficult, especially for um, the theater companies that I've been working with. Um, I'm primarily working with uh, three theater companies because I was in school for uh, a large portion of the time. And watching theater companies that I've grown up with um, and theater companies that I've worked with for a long time not be able to uh, perform in a traditional sense um, was a lot more difficult for me than necessarily the financial impact of not or the impact of not being able to do any shows. Um, I'm lucky enough that I was able to get a, um, a job kind of like Ricardo uh, out in the real world, not in the theater world. So I was all right um, financially throughout everything. But uh, it's been really great uh, when Jennifer contacted me and said that, you know, I'd like your help for this project. Uh, it's really great to be back in and making art with something, um, hmm. especially with uh, um, a very good friend of mine, uh, a collaborator of mine for a number of years now, and uh, their friends. Hmm. For those of you just joining us, we're speaking today uh, in this portion of the morning show with Jennifer Sassaman, Ricardo Frederick Evans, and Sam Fitzwater Butchart about a brand new podcast that uh, will uh, launch its first episode this Monday, September 7th, uh, the podcast is titled Read More Plays. Jennifer, it sounds like this was uh, an idea initially hatched by you. It was. <laughs> uh, so let's have you uh, begin uh, this, this portion of the conversation. Uh, tell us uh, kind of the, about the gestation of this idea. And was anything in particular a catalyst for it? It came to me kind of on several levels. Um, I was listening to, uh, there are a couple of podcasts that I kind of started listening to a lot. And there was something about the energy that would happen with those podcasts that made me think, 
I want to, I want a podcast. And I, that's not something I thought before this spring, but it came so clear in my head. And I kind of had this chastisement moment where I was saying, you can't just decide you want a podcast. Like you need to have something you have to say. And, but I really did think first, I want a podcast. And then I very clearly thought in my head and I want to do it with Ricardo. And, um, but I still felt like I needed an idea. And um, I, the university that I taught at before I taught at Parkside had a policy where people had to read uh, four plays a semester. And the idea, you know, people are always telling theater students, you need to read more plays. And professional artists always are saying, we need to read more plays. I know I need to read more plays. And it's just really difficult to make the time for it. So that, that was Troy University. They had a policy that you had to read these four plays a semester. And I decided it was something that the students would hand into their advisees. So I decided that with my advisees, I would actually pick the four plays. We would all read the same four plays instead of people picking whatever they wanted. And then as a group, we would sit down and discuss it. And it, they started to turn into these little parties and people who were other people's advisees wanted in. And so we would four times a semester just sit down and have these really cool conversations about plays. And not too long ago, in the last few years, these you know former students of mine who are now alumni and out working, some as theater professionals and some in other fields, somebody posted on Facebook saying, oh, you guys, you know what I really miss is talking about plays with JSAS. I wish we could still do that. And I said, I can do that. I can lead these conversations through Gchat or whatever, Google chat. I, I didn't know about Zoom at the time. And, but I, it actually turned out it was really hard for me to do that because my schedule was so demanding at my last job. And it just clicked. I remembered this email, how everybody wanted to keep talking about plays and thinking about that and thinking about wanting to do a podcast with Ricardo. I just thought, oh, what if we did a play, a podcast where we were reading more plays Mm. And, and when Ricardo and I reached out, I said, Hey, I have this idea. I wonder if you'd want to do it with me. And it's funny because actually both with Ricardo and Sam, I said, Hey, I have this idea that I was wondering if you would work on with me. It's going to be, and they both said, yeah, I didn't say what the idea was. I didn't talk about it. They both were just like, whatever it is, I'm in. Wow. Very good. Um, we already know, uh, the, the connection uh, that you and Sam Fitzwater Butchart have. Uh, but Ricardo Frederick Evans, explain how you and Jennifer Sassaman uh, knew each other and then uh, tell us about what it felt like to, to get this uh, invitation from her. Uh, yeah, it was actually pretty, pretty amazing. Our, our relationship started many, 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 many years ago. We worked in a, a restaurant in DC together. Uh, we were, we were both servers and that's kind of how, how we met. Um, and you know, with the way things work, life goes, you know, we, we separated, she went away to get her, was it your, your PhD? No, your, your master's, your MFA. MFA. She went away to get an MFA, so we separated. We randomly reconnected um, a couple times, actually, just when, when she, whenever she came back to the city. Um, and, and earlier this year, we randomly, again, reconnected in Disney in Florida, of all places. We, we just both happened to be there at the same time in January. Um, and I think that's really what sort of 
sparked the the conversation from actually seeing each other again in person and not just like communicating through uh through he froze but i think he was going to say through facebook and text because that's mm. how we mostly communicate okay very good that's one way to and we'll uh, we'll uh, we'll summon him back uh in, in 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 just a moment or two oh did you lose me we lost just for, you, but, just but Jennifer Jennifer uh, finished out your thought for you. Oh, great. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. No problem. So, Jennifer, explain um, a little bit more about this notion. Um, and uh, Ricardo and Sam, please feel free to, to join in. This notion of reading more plays, why this is something that is uh, sort of hammered home quite often uh, in, in the theater community, whether you're a, a theater major or, or just a person who's, who's interested in theater, um, why is it important for somebody to read more plays? What does one gain from that experience? And then we'll, then we'll talk about how that's going to happen in the podcast. But first, just in general, even before this podcast existed, what is the point of reading more plays? I think it's uh, important on a lot of different levels. I think as a creating artist, you want to read plays because you want to know what you want to work on. You know, if you don't know what's happening out there, you don't, you know, you don't have any projects that you would be excited to, you know, bring to a, a producing company. As a director, I have definitely sat down with artistic directors before and had them say, so what would you be excited to work on? And if you haven't read a lot of plays, your awareness, your scope of uh, potential projects is is extremely limited. As an actor, it's this. I think as an actor, as a designer, it, it all of that is the same. Actors have the additional burden of needing to have monologues to audition for shows. And it's hard to know what monologues you want to do if you don't read a lot of plays. I feel like the best way to figure out what you want to do is to read a lot of plays. And then also the more you read plays, I feel like you start to get a sense of how dramatic structure works and what makes something exciting and the different voices that are out there. And if you wind up writing plays, then you have, you start to, you can identify your voice by looking at the voices that came before you. And I, I feel like the last big reason that I am always, I think it's important to read plays, not just from right now, but throughout the history of theater is because everything is built on something else. You know, if you like Shakespeare, but don't understand the roots that Shakespeare has in the Roman playwrights or the Greek playwrights, you are missing a little bit of, uh, of insight. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a total Ravenclaw nerd. I want all the insight. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Ricardo, Sam, you want, want to add uh, any other points of, of why it is beneficial for somebody to read more plays? Well, I think, um, I mean, Jennifer sums it up so, so well. I, I can't, I, I don't think I can do as great a job, but I think uh, for me, having been an actor and also having directed and also having um, worn a bunch of different hats in, in theater, stage managing, pr producing, um, I think being able, and she's totally right, being able to see what's out there, being able to see what um, worlds playwrights have created, um, how, how they share their voices, um, what characters that they, they come up with, like all, all of those things are just 
I feel like they're they're super exciting, and you you don't want to limit yourself to um, to one or one or two different types of things, and it's a great way to figure out what you like and what you don't like too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sam, anything you want to add? No, I think that you guys got that covered. Um, re reading plays is, you know, it's where theater comes from. Theater comes from the script and being involved with uh, uh, multiple scripts, reading everything that you can, like, like any other uh, discipline. Uh, that's where everything kind of starts. I As I thought about... I'm so sorry. Okay. I did just want to say that we all talked about it from the perspective of the theater student or the theater professional, but you also asked about the theater audience or the theater goer. And one of the things that I think can be helpful about reading plays for someone who is not necessarily going to be creating theater, but consuming the product of theater is, you know, if you see it, if you really like, say, Denzel Washington, or you really like Meryl Streep, and there's a Meryl Streep movie coming out, you're kind of inclined to want to see it because you like that actor. If you are like me and you love Mary Zimmerman or you love Julie Taymor as like directors and you want to, and you find out they're working on a project, you're going to get excited about it. Or Lin-Manuel Miranda, like, oh, he's working on that. I love his stuff. I want to see that. If you're reading a lot of plays, you can also get a sense of what voices as in terms of playwrights that you like. So if you read Neil Simon or you read Stephen Adley Gerges or you read, you know, I don't know, those are two totally very different playwrights. But if you know that you like this kind of play and you find out that a company that you maybe never would have uh, taken a chance on is doing it, you're more inclined to go out and see it because it's work that you're familiar with where you already know that you have a connection to. Hmm. As I thought about this conversation, a couple of different uh, real-life experiences uh, came to mind for me. One of them was that uh, on a couple of different occasions, I've been on the play-reading committee at the Racine Theater Guild. And so that is when uh, it's a group, and it's sometimes as large as 10 or 12, uh, are charged with reading more plays, reading a bunch of plays and discussing them and, and coming to... Uh, coming to a recommendation of what the slate of plays should be for the, the next season at the Racine Theatre Guild. And um, it was an experience that I really enjoyed, but I found the experience of reading plays to be exhausting. That it was, in a sense, I mean, not that it was boring, not at all, but I found it to be exhausting, much more exhausting than reading a bunch of books or reading a bunch of other articles or something reading scripts somehow required kind of an extra level of focus and energy somehow that I wasn't really prepared for. I wonder if that's your experience as well. Is there, is there something kind of challenging about just the act of reading a script and making sense of it that is different from reading, for instance, other kinds of literature? Or by this point, have you read so many plays that it's for you the same as reading a book? Anyone else want to jump in? <laughs> Why don't you dive right in, Jennifer? 
I, you know, I always have a million things to say. My answer is it depends. I wonder if it was exhausting for you on every play or just on the plays that were voices that didn't resonate with you. I find that if I read 10 plays in a week, which doesn't always happen, but I used to try and use my summers to try and read as many plays as possible. Um, I'd read 10 plays and hate all of them. And then I'd hit the 11th play and I was like, oh, this is so good. I am so excited about this play. Um, I feel like plays you know every playwright it has their own voice and if it's a voice that kind of on the written page can resonate with the way that you think then that's great and reading it becomes easy it becomes more challenging if it's not something that resonates with you or it's not it, it's just not a style that you enjoy that's that's my personal experience i think the other aspect of it for me was um, maybe a combination of when you are reading a play and there is a very specific purpose, you're not just reading it to enrich yourself, but you are reading it and then having to think, would mm -hmm. this work at the Racine Theater Guild? Could we do this? Would this fit into our season? And so it's a matter yeah. of, of a very kind of heavy, serious, <laughs> high stakes kind of assessment that has <laughs> to go on. But then beyond that, also the whole thing about how reading a play and then somehow part of that is imagining it on the stage. And I know that, that that's one of the things that you're going to be exploring in your podcast is how could this given script uh, be given life on the stage and what particular problems does it pose in terms of uh, if, if one would actually literally produce it on the stage. And it seems to me that that adds another layer to the experience of, of reading something that just you know, makes it maybe a richer, but also more complicated experience. Yeah, I know our, um, when we do our first episode, uh, um, well, that's gonna be on released on Monday. I know this first play is uh, is a little bit different structure structurally than uh, than some of the plays that I've that I've read before. And it sort of required an extra level of imagination, I think. Um, all the character names, they don't actually have character names, they're all numbers. So that that was a little bit of a challenge. So imagining, okay, now this number now this number is saying something, now this number is saying something, but they and then a lot of times all they're all talking at the same time. Um, so so trying to keep everyone keep track of all of the different characters um was challenging and i actually and we'll talk about this on the podcast but i actually was not thrilled about that but <laughs> but uh i know Je um jennifer's daughter had a very very uh imaginative way to solve that problem well it was my idea but i employed ah. i employed my daughter's help um so the play that we're reading for our first episode is called The Wolves. It's by Sarah DeLapp. Um, it's, a, it's just a couple years old and I'd been hearing really great things about the play and wanting to read it for a while. So I was really excited to start with this play and I sat down to read it. It's like, here we go. And just like Ricardo said, it was all these numbers instead of names and I was lost. It's like eight says this, seven says this, 46 says this, double zero. And I was just like, wait, what is happening and i my daughter has all these stuffed animals because she's eight and what i did was i asked her i read the character descriptions that the playwright has at the start of the play and i said go get me whatever stuffed animal sounds like this 
And she did a really good job. Like one of the characters is supposed to have a lot of eyeliner on and be a, a really um, too cool for school character. And she brought me like the perfect stuffed animal. It even had like eyeliner drawn onto it. And one of the characters was supposed to have a lot of anxiety. And she brought me her porg that she got from Star Wars at Disney World. And it looks very worried about things. And once I lined up these stuffed animals and I started like, okay, I would look, I'd look at the number who was talking on the play and I'd look at the corresponding animal. I was like, got it. And eventually the numbers became like names and I got to know who these people were, but it really definitely helped me start being able to see it. Hmm. Um, Interesting. (laughs) I think it's time for us to, start talking about how you are choosing the plays that you are going to be doing. And maybe one of the first things we should ask is, are all of the plays going to be as uh, uh, off the beaten track and out of the ordinary as what you just described for your first one? Or is there going to be a little bit of Harvey or Our Town once in a while uh, sprinkled in? Tell us about the selection of repertoire. Well, we, um, we, I created a document while I was still at my last university of plays that I, it was like a present almost for outgoing students. Like these are the titles you should be familiar with as a working artist. So it's about 10 pages long and it's just the wow. titles of plays throughout history. So we, I sent this list out, actually all three of us sent this list out to people we know who are super knowledgeable in the theater world, um, PhDs, professionals, playwrights, and said, what are we missing? Uh, And we really refined this list and it's even longer now, Um, but we're picking all of our plays from this list. That was the original starting document. Obviously we're not doing 700 plays this season, but it does give us many seasons of plays to draw from. So we're excited to work on this project for a long time. That being said, the next thing we tried to do was we just threw out titles we would be excited. You know, Ricardo and Sam, well, actually, no, Sam's category is separate. Ricardo and I threw out a bunch of titles and, um, and from a list of maybe 50 plays, I don't know how many we threw out that first meeting, we then started saying, okay, we want some contemporary plays, we want some mid-century, 20th century plays, we want some classic plays, we wanna have plays from around the world, we wanna make sure that we represent a lot of voices, so how many women playwrights can we include, how many voices of color and indigenous voices can we include, and, you know, trying to represent LGBTQIA playwrights, and really just tried to come up with around season. And then the last thing we did when we were trying to figure out what the lineup was going to be is we launched a trailer two weeks ago, two weeks ago, week and a half ago. It was just five minutes, uh, but sort of announcing to the world that this podcast was going to happen and asking for other people's voices. You know, what plays would you like to see? And so we kind of put all of those requirements together and came up with the season that we came up with. So logistically, how does it work in terms of, for instance, putting together this first episode that everyone can hear on Monday, September 7th? At what point did, I mean, I assume that all three of you sat down and read this play again and kind of prepared, and then at what point are you going to be reading the second play and so on? How, how, how will each of these episodes take shape? Ricardo, you want to answer that? Well, we... we um what was it this week that we we got the play or you might have gotten it late no, last week. I got week. it I got it this week yeah I, I got it this week too I, I did a read through um I actually just finished my first read through uh 
today I'm, I'm working on my second read through now what i generally like to do is read through it just for enjoyment first and then go back and read through it again and and start to do my analysis on it um which was very helpful because this this particular piece i had to sort of know the whole i had to know where it was going and now i can go back and then i'm like all right now things will make make more sense and now i can do all my research and 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 look up terms or things that i might not have been familiar with um but basically we're we start this week we're gonna record this week and um and get and pass it off to sam who's gonna work his magic on it and it'll be ready to go on monday okay. jennifer talk our listeners through the format of each episode i think you've come up with a really wonderful framework so the format in a lot of ways is uh, based on kind of how I would run my text analysis and directing classes, how I would talk about a new play with them. Although the very first thing we're going to do was Ricardo's idea, which I think is really fun. So the first thing we'll do with every episode is something called hot takes. And these are five questions that we're always going to answer for every show. We're just going to kind of start from here. So the five questions are, what do you think is the best thing about the show? What do you see as the biggest problem with the text? What is your favorite quote from the play? If you were gonna work on this show, what production role would you want? And which character is the most like you? Hmm. So we'll answer, we'll both answer that. And if we have guests on, cause sometimes we'll have theater professionals come and join us. Everybody who's uh, is hosting the show will answer these questions. Then we're gonna do a quiz. And um, this is a way, we were just gonna cover the plot. Like, okay, let's go over the plot. This is what happens in the show. But I think it's more fun. Ricardo and I are gonna take turns writing quizzes to try and like challenge each other. Um, and then by answering question to question and like going from one question to the next question, we will talk through the plot of the show, but do it in like a trivia night kind of way. Hmm. Um, I also really, this is something I would always do with my text analysis students, because I knew for whatever reason, I knew not every student was gonna read every play before class. Ideally, all students will read the work, but you know, things happen. People have jobs late, they don't get the chance to get caught up. So this way, you don't have to read the play to listen to the podcast. If you listen, you know, I would direct the quizzes as a way to bring people along. We went over all the answers together in class. And by the end of the quiz, whether you had read the play or not, you knew the basic structure of the plot and could then participate in the conversation. I wanted to make sure everybody in the room was could be included. So the secret of the show is you don't actually have to read plays. All you have to do is listen to the podcast and we'll tell you all about them. And, um, and I hope, you know, if people don't, I think if you read the play, this is a, a cool podcast to listen to because then you can be part of the conversation. If you don't read the play, this is also a cool podcast to listen to because now you're going to be familiar with a play that you wouldn't necessarily be familiar with. And maybe that'll save you the step. Like if you listen to five episodes and you hear four plays that you enjoy us talking about, but you don't actually think that's a play for you, it will help you identify that fifth play that you want to go out of your way to read. Hmm. So we do the quiz as a way to familiarize everyone with the plot and challenge each other. Um, and then we're going to do a brief analysis section. I've got a whole list of text analysis techniques as a way to kind of take a, a deeper dive into one aspect of the play. So we'll both talk about the technique for a split second and then talk about what that bit of analysis has revealed to us about the play. 
Then we're going to do a really short dramaturgy section. Dramaturgy is where you can like disappear forever. As Sam and I know, we love to do deep dives. And um, we're not going to put all of our dramaturgy out. We're just going to say one thing that we researched uh, that we found out that was cool. The, the rest of our dramaturgy and research and any words that we looked up and any music we didn't re recognize and had to go listen to a YouTube video of it, all of that is going to go on our Patreon page. So if people are curious, they can become Patreon supporters and then they can have full access to our dramaturgy and our analysis and everything that we've written up. Then after the dramaturgy section, we're going to do an idea section. And this is where we really can let our imagination go wild. Like this is who I thought would be perfect in this part, or this is the music I think would be good for the show, or this is why I think this play is a great play for right now. It's a, it's a way to talk about the artistic impulse, both that we would have or like theoretical productions we could work on. But again, if we have someone on, who has a, a different area of expertise. So say me as a director, Ricardo as an actor, uh, we can talk about those aspects of production, but I'm not the person you wanna to talk to about the costume design of a show. So, you know, we invite a costume designer on to talk about the vision that they could see for a, a production or any other aspect of theater. Hmm. We wanna have um, a community voices section, you know, for every episode that we, for every episode we do, we're going to put a discussion board up on social media. So if you listen to, we did a little trailer. Well, we did a little episode, a long trailer that we released this week where we went through these ideas and we talked about Hamlet. And so we want to, if other people have ideas about Hamlet, whether it's about what the play is about or a vision for Hamlet, they can put that on our message board on social media, or they can leave us a voicemail. Um, but we want to make this not just my voice and Ricardo's voice, but the voice of our listeners too. So we want to have a section where people are sharing interesting ideas and we'll share them with everybody. And then the very end, the last thing is actually what I see as the end game to all text analysis, which is talking about what a play is about. What is this play about? Because I think, you know, again, using Hamlet as an example, if you say, what is Hamlet about? And somebody says, oh, it's about someone who kills his father's murderer. That's not what Hamlet is about. That is a thing that happens in Hamlet. And there I go, spoiling the end of Hamlet too. Sorry, <laughs> I'm ruining that for people. But um, Hamlet, what Hamlet is about, it, that's the artistic interpretation. And if I say that I think Hamlet is about searching for the meaning of life after you've lost one of the most profound love relationships you've ever had, I come to that after doing a great deal of analysis of the text, like the themes emerge when you do the analysis. And what I see Hamlet as and what Ricardo sees Hamlet as and certainly what Sam sees Hamlet as are going to be different because we're going to take different things out of the text. And that's why I think it's exciting to talk about plays, but also why I think it's worthwhile to go see seven different productions of Hamlet because they're all going to be different because the artists involved are going to see different things in the text. Excellent. Ricardo, Ricardo, who do you envision this podcast being for? Um, I mean, is this for people who are, in a sense, serious students of theater? Or is this also a podcast that you hope just kind of regular people who are mostly audience members and nothing more? Uh, is this also something that you think uh, is going to connect with them? I mean, 
who do you and Jennifer and Sam envision this podcast primarily as being for? I was going to say, it's for everyone but babies. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, babies, eventually. Babies, eventually. <laughs> but uh, but in, in the in present term, I think it's for everybody. Everyone who enjoys theater, everyone who, um, yeah, and everyone who enjoys going to theater, everyone who is a part of theater, whether that's, um, you know, you work at the box office, you, you, you stomp the boards. Um, it's, it's for anyone who has an appreciation for theater and theater arts. Sam Fitzwater Butcher, there are uh, a whole lot of podcasts out there, and I think there are different schools of thought in terms of what uh, a good podcast should sound like in general. I mean, should it just sound like three buddies chatting in, in a booth at Burger King, or should it be something that is a little more polished and prepared and, in a sense, tidy in the best sense of the word? Um, and, and, I mean, I think podcasts range between those extremes, everything in between. Um, as you and Jennifer and Ricardo have been talking about this, how do you foresee this podcast falling within that, that arc? And what role will you play a sound engineer in terms of achieving the particular sound that uh, you think is right for this podcast? That's kind of a difficult question for me to ask, uh, just because I think it's going to fall on a number of points uh, in, that, in that spectrum over the lifetime, uh, whatever that ends up being. I kind of come to this from maybe a different perspective than other engineers uh, because my background is in theater um, and I've only uh, recorded, I've only engineered one podcast uh, before uh, with Jennifer, actually, uh, the Girl Tales podcast uh, episode that we did together. It poses its own challenges um, just from a technical standpoint and from it's different engineering for live scenarios as opposed to engineering for uh, post scenarios, post-production scenarios. Um, so I, yeah, I think it's going to end up being uh, multiple points uh, on there. I ideally would like to make it, we talked about making it um, more conversational as opposed to strictly um, uh, edited and uh, tightly edited. So I think it's going to exist on multiple uh, levels uh, over the time. And I'm looking forward to it, to, to figuring out uh, exactly how everything is going to come together. Is there a plan that it will be recorded in a single take? Or do you see this, the, the various components being put together one at a time? Or is that also, you're, are you just going to see what, what happens and time will tell? So we're, we're definitely recording it, um, uh, trying to record it all in a single take uh, as much as possible to try to keep the, the conversational aspect of everything going. Sam Fitzwater Butchert is the sound engineer and Jennifer Sassaman and Ricardo Frederick Evans, the co-hosts of the new podcast, Read More Plays. A couple of different trailers have already been released, including one that spells out some of the plays that they will be discussing in coming weeks. The first episode is launched on Monday, September 7th. It will be available on all of the major podcast providers, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. And more information is available on the podcast's wonderful website, readmoreplays.com. I'm Gregory Berg.